what's challenging when you're onboarding new people is you have to give access, privileges, set up that user and that entire workflow and you got to get it right. That's not an easy thing to necessarily do. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Incident Report presented by Quest Technology Management. I'm Paul Burke, Director of Technology Communications. Every week, I'm joined by VP of Sales and Partnerships, Adam Burke. The Incident Report brings you conversations with thought leaders, business innovators, and channel mavericks to help you stay productive and agile in a changing technology landscape. Hey everybody, welcome to the Incident Report. It is a great day, so excited to be here. Adam, how are you doing today? Good, Paul, excited to be here. Great way to start off the week talking to you about what we're seeing in the IT space. I'm excited to get into the content today because you found a fantastic survey done by Spiceworks about what's happening in 2022 or what they predicted would happen in 2022. And this was a survey that was conducted in July of 21. And I think it's exciting and interesting to look and see, was the forecast correct? Spiceworks, you know, is an organization that does a lot of end user reviews and lead generation and forecasting for how people are spending money in IT. So yeah, they conducted the survey back in of IT leaders and, and buyers and, and folks in the, who consume service provider services and buy hardware. And they were saying, what's your anticipated challenges for 2022? So it was a great uh, kind of state of the IT 2022 report and thought we'd take a look at what they thought they'd be dealing with versus, you know, what's playing out right now being about halfway through the year. Yeah, it's a real comprehensive report. And if you want to read, we'll have the link in the description. But we're going to jump right into chapter six, which is the future IT challenges and opportunities. So I'll just start from the beginning. Despite the optimism around rising company revenues and tech budgets, businesses also expect to face issues due to fallout from the ongoing pandemic. For example, IT buyers expect to encounter challenges when purchasing hardware, software, services over the next 12 months. In 2022, roughly 40% of IT departments expect to deal with the following, limited product availability, shipping delays, or logistical problems, supply chain issues, increase in product costs, and ship shortages. Yeah, 40, 46% of the, of the respondents listed those as problems that they're expecting in 2022. So I think in the limited product availability, we are definitely seeing that. Uh, that was a good call. You know, these manufacturers, the just in time and putting the parts and pieces together and, you know, slow boats from across the Pacific, those, those are very accurate and definitely, I think probably a greater percentage, even, even more than 46% of folks are, are dealing with that as far as, you know, limited product availability and exceedingly long lead times. I actually just got off a call today of dealing with some, uh, some really long lead times on some some pretty critical components that a client is looking to roll out some services and just they're not quite there yet and really dealing with dealing with trying to get that that stuff shipped the people you're talking to adam do they kind of see do they forecast like it's it's going to be getting better do they see light at the end of the tunnel or they're just like well this is just the conditions and and we're kind of just stuck in it right now a uh, little bit of both i mean there's people definitely ramping up production and 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 trying to in, improve that but now we're still seeing um, still seeing pretty significant lead times on on components. With everything being pushed back and delayed, that the product costs are going to be uh, skyrocketing. Yeah, I mean the product the product costs and what everyone's dealing with there. You know, it's just uh, we're seeing we're seeing some pricing increases for clients who you know have have tried to, attempted to make orders, but before they can get them before they can get them processed and delivered, 
you know, manufacturers are kind of changing pricing. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty competitive uh, market for materials right now. And just as early as, you know, this morning, Corning went out with an additional recommendation on fiber optics being in limited supply, right? So, so people having to install fiber optics and cables and, you know, long haul fiber just for getting telecommunication sites installed, it's, that's starting to hit that supply chain as well. So people trying to turn up, you know, additional capacity, trying to get to the cloud to subscribe to on-demand assets. Now you're seeing, you know, notifications from blue chip companies like Corning who are just saying, hey, we got, we got limited supplies on the glass that goes in the ground that lights the path to the, to the cloud. So it's, it's a struggle. A lot, of people are, a lot of people are dealing with supply constraints across the board. Adam, you can't see my to-do list, but on my to-do list uh, this week is Get Smarter. And in order to do that, I'm starting to list some of the some of the podcasts you talk about, Adam. Uh, yeah. Pretty great podcasts. So I'm actually starting to listen to them. And one of them you mentioned last week, that they were talking to this economist who was making this really interesting point, which I think ties into the product cost. As inflation increases and the product costs go up, that companies' long-term plans have to radically change because they don't know about the the costs down the road. Are are you seeing that in customers that we're talking to that their plans for the future are kind of becoming shorter because they don't know what it's going to look like? Yeah. So I believe you're talking about a great podcast called On the Tape. Fantastic. That's the one. Yep. Love those guys. But yeah, they uh, the long-term decisions as far as investing capex and long-term purchases and understanding the availability there that's that's dramatically shifting because people don't know you know what what the cost of that actual asset's going to be right now we're dealing with pretty significant inflation as well as well as not quite sure if we're going into into a recession or the worst case scenario that people are, are worried about right now is something called stagflation where you have your inflation your dollar and your money's becoming less valuable while at the same time, the economy is slowing. That happened in the 70s and people are afraid it's happening now. So yeah, that's that's tightening the idea of everyone kind of sits on their hands when, when those things happen. They don't necessarily make long-term plans. The challenging part about that is a lot of these supply constraints we're dealing with are only solved by long-term capacity planning. Right. So how are you going to increase production? Well, you got to build a factory or you have to create a pipeline you have to figure out a way to increase production. It's a hairy situation right now because there's a lot of people who are trying to see what's going to happen next, but that hesitating is increasing the challenge that's causing the hesitation. So it gets into a little bit of a vicious vicious cycle there. I know there's a lot of people dealing with like high gas prices right now, but there's a really critical saying that people say like the, the only solution to high gas prices is high gas prices, which means you destroy enough demand with high gas prices, eventually the, the market will reset, but you got to go through that destruction process, which I think people are dealing with in their IT spending right now, right? They're, you're seeing big companies coming out right now, notifying, hey, we're, we're not going to be hiring as much or like, you know, Meta, Facebook said, hey, we're going to, you know, have more discretion on mm-hmm. hiring decisions which is always kind of funny because it's like, well, yeah, we had no discretion before. We were basically just writing blank checks. And the before times, anything was going. When people people come out of that corporate speak, it's always funny. Like, yeah, we're going to use more discretion when hiring. Like, oh, really? You're going to decide to have a little more scrutiny on your on your highest cost of highest cost of goods? Okay, that's probably a good call. So those those things are happening. People are changing decisions there. And that, that trickles down to, 
to everybody else who's who's dealing with it. You know, small businesses, medium business, everyone's trying to figure out what's what's happening next. And going back to the uh, SpiceWorks survey, 41% of people were concerned about chip shortages, which, in, you know, in terms of things people are worried about, uh, they were uh, pretty, they, they kind of knew what was coming in 2022. That's that long range planning again, right? Like chip foundries take a little while to, to build. You know, it takes a long time to move the needle there. We heard about the big investments going into Ohio. I know Intel, Intel's building a big presence there. Taiwan Semiconductor's building in Arizona. There's massive investment going on, but you know, those are years out, right? That's, that's years out before that's going to be up and operational. So until that happens, we're kind of stuck with what you got and dealing with that. So the funny thing is that that hits more than just it that hits, you know, it hits, uh, cars, car, yeah, it hits your cars, hits your, hits your just basic appliances, you know, just getting a refrigerator these days takes, takes some time. I haven't been able to make toast for five months. Well, that's just because you lost your toaster. That's true. That has nothing to do with chip shortage. No, that's just, you don't know where you put your toaster. Yeah. Which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Bagels that aren't toasted. No, thanks. So then from there, it goes 22% of respondents said provisioning hardware to remote employees at their homes was a concern. And this, I'm, I think this is interesting. It's only 22% because I'm thinking that in 2021, when the survey was done, a lot of a lot of people taking it were like, oh, we're going to go back to a full-time work environment, most likely in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the genie's out of the bottle in the sense of people working remote from home and kind of liking it, you know? So I, I've, I've known some people are going back to the office. Some people are staying remote. Some people are kind of doing a hybrid thing, but this was good that I think, you know, at least, you know, about a fifth of the IT people out there realized the challenge around onboarding and provisioning remote workforce, the remote workforce, like in order to do that, you know, there have to be systems in place that are pretty dialed in, in order to bring someone on board to an organization from scratch, right? Yeah, we Mm -hmm. all, we've all replaced the laptop or, you know, dropped coffee on our phone or whatever, and had to replace a part or a piece. When you're adding a a one piece of tech or, or replacing something that broke, you already exist within that corporate environment, right? So you're already a user within that corporate environment. What's challenging when you're onboarding new people is you have to give access, privileges, set up that user and that entire workflow and you got to get it right. That's not an easy thing to necessarily do. And in order to do that, you really have to be dialed in on policies. How are you going to manage that person's access? How are you going to onboard that person? A lot of people just think that onboarding a new employee is just, oh yeah, just set them a laptop. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than that. I was encouraged to see that IT folks saw that as a challenge. Did you see that Apple was pushing for a three-day work week uh, or a return to the office three days a week, but they were getting pushed back, so they decided, well, we'll kick that down the road. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think it's going to change when right now there's definitely a lot of influence uh, in the labor force around working remote, and the labor market is very, very tight. I think you'll see some things change when that trend reverses. And mm. it's always weird to me that people kind of never see that at, at least it's going to reverse, right? Right now we have extremely, extremely tight labor force, but right now would be a great time to like build leadership credit with your, with your team and like chip in and be a team player and be part of the organization and kind of build that, 
build that credibility for the long term. And I, I keep reading all these articles about like, like just like you said, like, you know, the, the folks who work for Apple kind of saying, nah, we're not coming in. Like, okay, that's a, that's an angle. But like, maybe negotiate a little bit and kind of put some skin in the game because the labor market's going to turn. You know, it wasn't before the pandemic hit, people were really talking about like what's going to happen with technology and we got to get universal basic income because all these people are going to be replaced by this automation and all these challenges around deflation. That all got flipped on its head by COVID, but that's that trend still exists out there. Like, hey, you know, automation and the labor market's not going to stay tight forever. Let's just say it that way. Adam, are you noticing because of the chip shortage and other supply chain issues that companies have to find unique ways to give the remote staff access to networks and files while not putting the company at unnecessary risk? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge issue. And, and people are still struggling with giving remote workers appropriate levels of access and mm. not exposing you know, the, the company to bad actors that could use that as a potential access point or, you know, entry point to, to the network. Oh yeah. That's a, we just had, we just had a leading IT uh, network security vendor on our sales call today that was helping us, that helps, you know, large enterprise clients, you know, detect and respond and isolate threats as they're discovered moving within an environment in ways that a typical user is not authorized to. So looking for those anomalies, looking for things like that. You'll hear marketing trends and people talking about, you know, zero trust networks and, you know, zero trust architecture and things like that. It's, it's really how do you support, how do you support consistent access to your environment um, and, and secure it at the same time from a bunch of different people trying to, to log in from home or remote and give them a consistent experience. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do. And if you're dealing with these complex issues and environments, would you encourage somebody to use something like QuestFlex? Yeah, well, QuestFlex is kind of like core to, to how we do business and, and how we approach, you know, it's, it's really the, how can we help model of, of delivering technology. So QuestFlex is often you know, can, can be misinterpreted sometimes is like, well, that's, uh, that's the, that's your, as a service, or that's your, that's your data center operations, or that's your, you know, subscription model. QuestFlex is really packaging an IT solution, regardless of the underlying technology in a way that the customer wants to consume it. What really helps in these, you know, we're going into a recession or we're going into a challenging IT environment or challenging economic environment with inflation alone, but potentially recession, potentially stagflation, potentially some real challenges out there. Organizations are going to need to adjust how they're spending and how they're capitalizing their IT. We, we went through the financial crisis, we went through the dot-com bust, and QuestFlex has really been a, an anchor for our company in the sense that it holds the ability for Quest to deliver how a customer needs to consume something at the time they need to consume it. So for example, an organization needs to subscribe to a platform as a service as opposed to making a large capital investment they potentially like right now we're in a tight labor market you know they lost some key personnel that were going to operate this environment for them so in addition to the platform being delivered as a service they need some management and support of the platform as well they need us to patch it maintain it operate it and they need it to be they need that subscription built into their monthly reoccurring charge that's an example of QuestFlex. another example of QuestFlex would be Hey, it's going to cost a pretty pretty penny 
to move this application from on-premise to Azure, right? And we we put together a project and we say, hey, this is going to be a this can be a significant investment to get this done from a labor standpoint. So another example of QuestFlex would be taking that investment for that transition, amortizing it over the contract, and basically saying, hey, we're going to help you um, consume this upfront project over the duration of how you're going to uh, consume the application in the cloud. So you kind of spread that cost basis over the term of the contract, helping the customer. So QuestFlex can really be whatever the customer is dealing with. Here's what I need to have happen. How can I partner with Quest as my delivery and my system integrator to deliver that back to my company and, and, and help me execute? It's really a dynamic, it's really the whole kind of secret sauce as far as how we deliver things. Adam, if this is a terrible analogy, I will cut it out and nobody will ever hear these words. But if mm -hmm. people are hearing these words, then you know what I'm about to say makes sense. Would you kind of say that here at Quest, we're um, like a engineer and also an architect. And if you want a specific home with a specific roof and you need a pool in the backyard, we're like, yes, we're gonna figure out a way to make that work because that's what you need and we're here to help. Whereas if you were just going to one of four planned homes to buy, they're like, well, these are the four options you have and you got to be okay with that. Yeah, I think you're, you're pretty much part of the way there. The only other thing I'd add on is we're also the bank that helps you finance it. Got it. So we are the engineer, the architect and the bank. Okay, yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah, because we, we can tell you, hey, do you, you want to rent this house for a while? Do you want to, do you want to own it at the end of the contract? Do you want to put that together for a long-term play? Do you want us to just help you find a financial partner to lease it for you? When I say we're the bank, I mean, we help the organization understand how they want to consume it and mm -hmm. what makes sense for their business, right? And then we can help them from a finance uh, perspective or uh, help them bring the appropriate you know, financial partners in to, to execute it. So, Do we at Quest, because I'm never on those sales calls, do we at Quest get some odd looks from the customer where they're like, oh, wait, you do all of this? I don't understand. Help me out. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, you know, one of the, one of the, there's a, there's a, a circular conversation that goes on oftentimes, especially in our partner world is tell me what you do. And then I, I usually respond with, well, what do you need? And they will, well, tell me what you do. Well, what do you need? And then we go back and forth with that Abbott and Casella routine for about 20 minutes. And then, you know, we really do want to help people achieve what they're trying to do in a way that makes sense for both of us. So I'll give you an example. We had a, a customer about 10 years ago, one of my first managed services clients. They're actually uh, in the managed services and technology space now. But back when I first met them, they were hosting and managing QuickBooks for clients. So they were an early SaaS provider for QuickBooks. And they were looking to grow out their infrastructure as a service. And their owner was a CFO and he was a numbers guy. And they were looking to make a purchase of Cisco UCS B-Series oh, 240 blades. I think it was it, if I remember correctly. So they were going to buy a bunch of, bunch of Cisco blades uh, to, to host their infrastructure as a service QuickBooks applications for their clients. He liked the idea of us putting together a five-year deal for him where, we, where he would, we, we would buy and provide that hardware as a service, a couple other storage components and things too. But basically, basically we were providing a dedicated Cisco UCS uh, 
blade chassis and some blades and some storage as a service in a data center of his choosing. And we put together a monthly recurring number that made sense for him, made sense for his business. He was able to depreciate that over five years. Right before the deal got done, he came to me and he said, hey, random question for you, but I'm building out a new office and I'm putting in some, some automated door locks and some cubicles and some trash cans. Uh, it's going to be about $25,000 worth of stuff. Could I put that on my agreement with you and you guys wrap that into my server, my server deal? And so I said, well, yeah, here's, here's what that monthly number would look like if we added it to it. Are you good with that? He said, yeah, I'm good. And so we added as a part of QuestFlex to his Cisco UCS, I mean, top of the line Cisco server purchase, we put it, we put a part of that cubicles garbage cans and automated door locks i think from schlag or something like that i don't know if it's schlag or not. <laughs> but 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 yeah so we put that all in a wrapper and he paid his monthly contract for five years and they did a great job they're they're a company now that we actually i think we actually compete with them from time to time uh in market uh in a few markets and they're a it services vendor now so that was 11 12 years ago but that was that was an example of QuestFlex, like did you, what do they want help with? What, what business challenge are they trying to handle? He wanted to amortize his costs over a five-year term in order to ramp his business up, keep his debt, keep his debt low. Cool. We could do that. Wow. Okay. A little story time with Adam Burke, uh, lesson learned. If you want to buy trash cans, uh, hit us up. I got a little vig for you. All right. It's a little vig. We'll handle it for you. No big deal. <laughs> this is a great, I'm really glad we talked about, I'm really glad you found this survey. Cause it was, it's a really, it was really interesting to talk about. Yeah, I think it was cool how people were making decisions. You know, they were they were pretty spot on though. I'll give it credit for those people who you yeah. know, were looking at twenty twenty two for you know twenty twenty one. That's a that's a legitimate. They were they're pretty pretty good. So they were very prescient. I think that's the word prescient. Prescient. Yes, that's Pres a good that's a good prescient. that's a good prescient. That's a good SAT word. I can't spell it, but a good nope. SAT word. I can barely even say it. Yeah. So I don't think you can, but nope. we'll give it to you. I failed. So, uh, well, hey, thank you very much for listening, everybody. This has been the Incident Report. And Adam, hey, thanks for joining and, and sharing insight. And this has been fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate it. Everyone have a great week and we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening. The Incident Report is brought to you by Quest Technology Management. With over 40 years of experience, Quest is a leading technology integrator working seamlessly with your staff and systems to achieve your IT goals. Learn more about everything they do at questsys.com. And if you have questions or suggestions for the podcast, you can always email Adam and myself at the incident report at We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.